0: This is it. This is our final episode in Delta County's Land Use Podcast. We hope this has been helpful. We hope that you've gotten something out of it and that this has been a new way of getting engaged with the county and helping to just build your own knowledge base about land use and its importance in your life. This final podcast is recorded from the community forum that we had on Planning 101. What is land use? How does it work? Uh, What are the components of it? What are private property rights? What are takings? What are all those different things that come into play when we talk about land use? This was recorded at a forum, and sometimes the audio dips out a little bit. Don Elliott, who is a planner with a private firm called Claring & Associates, gave us this presentation, and he moves around a lot. He's a very fast talker. There will also be a copy of his slide deck. On the website, so you can look at that at the same time or in addition to, and hopefully between those two things, you'll be able to benefit from the conversation that occurred that evening at the community forum. Thank you very much, and we hope you enjoy. Nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me. As I said, I do this for a living. My kids can't believe that anybody
1: would do this for a living, but I find it very interesting and challenging because every community is different community comes with a different solution that, that plays the values they do. And uh, I know that in my opinion that uh, I'm lucky because if you do it work well, you work with communities to plan and then to help them to figure out what part of that should be regulation, what part of it is just a good idea, what part of it is something you can incentive someone. If you figure that out and you work it through a process where everybody feels good about, that they understand what's being done, and why, why it's it's the best approach or the least bad approach for us, Uh, they change the world because things happen differently in the future than they have in the past. So I find this very rewarding work. I need to start this off with a couple of comments. A, I do this a lot. I write development codes. I'm not your consultant. Uh, You've selected others. I respect them. I know them very well. Uh, You're lucky. They're very good Colorado, to be honest. As a lot of people, has a fair number of people who do what I do, and they do it really well. So you've got some I'm not that consultant. I'm an outside voice, but I do this with communities all over the, the, the world a little bit. I'm sometimes outside of the U.S., sometimes in Canada, mostly in the United States. But I, I, I am, so I feel like I, at this point within five or so years of retirement, I actually am an expert in my field, but I am not an expert in agriculture. And I'm not an expert on energy development, and I am certainly not an expert on guilt accounting. So uh, I count, whenever I speak to people, on them telling me and teasing out in the course of our questions and answers that local, what ha- what I need to know in order to answer questions wisely, uh, or honestly, or accurately locally. So I'm not an expert. When we get to the questions and answers, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert. you ask me questions, I'll give you general answers based on what I've seen other people do, and then we can flesh it out what you know about Delta County that I don't know. So uh, that's one thing. Um, I am gonna, this is a short presentation. I try to keep it fairly high level, as we said. The point here is this is not this is not a 301 course and a 201 course. This is about zoning in particular. Planning and how do you turn planning into zoning that works for you, or how should you think about that? Uh, and it's only about 15 slides long, it's not a, an hour and a half. And I did it to try to leave a lot of time so that you could ask questions after that and I can try to understand what you heard and what you didn't understand, or what you did understand, and what I didn't understand to begin with. So we you need a lot of time to ask questions at the end. So it's only about 15 slides. I would ask that we hold the questions to the end because I've tried to foreshadow some of the questions that come up all the time and put in slides to answer those things. So I'd like to at least get to the end of that, and then we'll probably have an hour uh, to go through and talk about whatever you'd like to talk about. Okay, so before I start with the slides, I want to, I want to, again, I don't know, because I, I guess some of you have been to some of the other forums. I don't know if you're experts or first-timers. So I'm gonna start um, generally. Gonna try to assume you don't know very much about voting. That's not insulting to you. It's simply, I don't want anybody we're losing the thread of the conversation because I started with talking about things i didn't understand. And so we'll do that. Planning in zone. okay? You have completed, after uh, a good bit of work, a plan for the county. Plans, again, I, I know I'm repeating this for somebody who I'll stop apologizing. for that. just take it for what it is. Plans in Colorado are advisory. Go to sleep at night and say that to yourself. Plans in Colorado are advisory. They are supposed to guide the elected officials or the planning commission as to what decisions they make, what's a good decision that will lead us to the future we want, what is a bad decision, investment decision, permit decision, zoning and subdivision decision, but they're not the law. And it's hard enough to come up with a plan, an advisory plan that says, this is what we want to be, given all the pressures that are on us in the future. This is what we want to be. Zoning and subdivision are where you turn that into regulation and incentives. So I work in a lot of communities where they say, great, we've got the plan done, it's done, Future set. The answer is not if you don't revise what your incentives and your regulations and your exemptions are to let go of the things you don't need to regulate. Regulate the things you do to regulate them more lightly, more strictly, whatever it is. If you keep coming up with advisory documents, you may get some changes, because the county commissioners, the planning commissioners, may follow that advice, and they make good decisions based on that advice, or they may not. And if they don't, and you sue them, you're not going to win, because the plan was advisory. It was advice. And that night, at that hearing, they decided not to take the advice.
0: Zoning is where
1: you turn that into regulations and incentives, and exemptions, things that you decided not to regulate. And that's in that process, I it. I keep holding my hands like this because it's like a funnel. You start a planning process, a lot of good ideas. By the time you get it adopted, some of the good ideas are followed by the wayside because it turns out there wasn't consensus on that. We got more information and that's not a good thing for us to aspire to do. When you get to zoning, the funnel gets narrow for a couple of reasons. Sometimes we find that it's a great idea and everybody agrees with it in the plan. But nobody can agree on any politically acceptable way to implement it through the law in a sense. It just, you did know, agree we should do this. You just can't agree on how to do it. None of the choices are acceptable are acceptable for the county. And therefore, some good ideas don't make up in zoning. I have to talk to people a lot. There are lots of things zoning can't do, it can't spend money when the county commissioners don't want to spend money or somebody else that at them It can't change the way people think if they decide to misunderstand or decide to keep behaving in a certain way. It governs land use, it governs what you can build, it governs what you can do on the property, how you divide the how subdivision, you, how you can divide the property up. Sometimes, many things that are good ideas in the plan that are land use related do wind up in something. It's just a matter of figuring out strict, flexible, very weak, Incentive, it's not a requirement, we're gonna reward you for doing that, or you know, or it's something we just need to let go of. Some people wanted to keep regulating it, others didn't, and in the end you said, let's not regulate it. So the point is that many things in the plan that have to be can be put in zone. But they they can't solve all the problems. And politically, sometimes you have a good idea that can't. There is there was great consensus after a lot of thought in the plan, but no one can agree. On the thing. However, I want, to, I want to be clear about this. The vast majority, I counted up the other day, our firm has done 280 plus, as of a year ago, so two, as of a year ago, we've done 284 companies around the country, or zoning regulations.
0: whole but about
1: 7 of those have been adopted. That's a really good background. I'm not saying that for my firm. I'm saying that when people engage in this conversation, they almost always get to the finish line with something that's acceptable. It may be not what they started off thinking they would come up with, it may be weaker, it may be stronger, it may be a different kind of regulation, but they get there because after investing the time and working on the consensus they get to the point of saying this is much better than what we have now, we've spent two years building consensus or figuring out how we can agree or not agree, we are not throwing away that money, we are not throwing away that time, we're not throwing away our citizens' engagement, this is a much better approach than what we have now, even though it's not. That's how government works. I work with local government. Anybody who thinks local government's perfect is deluding themselves. They're doing the best they can in a constrained situation. But in this case, almost everybody figures a way to get their zoning better aligned with their plans and better aligned with the politics and the preferences of So, A, it's not guaranteed. B, you can't guess how it's going to come out at the bottom at the beginning. It's going to come out the way you build, you build your regulations and incentives. I can't predict what that is. Neither can your consultants you got to do it together. But the odds on you getting there are really high if you just be thoughtful and respectful. And, and I heard the word civil with each other and realize they are just disagreements about values. And that's what local government exists to do, to try to reconcile the best they can disagreements about values. So with that little sermon at the beginning, I, I want to walk through the basics. So I'd like to talk the next 20 minutes, 25 minutes, about Basics of county land regulation. Basics of zoning in particular. Um, what if? What is X? What if, when I hear the word overlay zone, what's an overlay zone? What's conditional use? Or what about? What about this problem? And then lots of time for discussion. So, zoning, many of you know this. Zoning is about what you can do on your property, and how big it can be, how much of a lot it can cover, uh, how do you lay out the building on the land so that the access is safe. It has to do with how, what you can do on your property, and how much you can build to, uh, to have that activity take place. And then in some communities, usually, there's an element of how good do we have to be? Do we, do we care whether you have land Do we care about signs? That's not what you do, it's how, how good or quality of layout is. That's, that's, that's not rocket science. That's what zoning does. You have, some of you have a very unusual set of land-use regulations now, probably is. Subdivision is how you divide into properties, how you divide into lots for development, what land do you need to avoid because it's unsafe or it's environmentally sensitive. Usually in its basic form, what kind of access to the streets do you need what kind of services. Is it septic? Septic is usually in answer the but access to a street. I just want to point out, I'm talking about the zoning time Subdivision, you have a subdivision ordinance and so that's about dividing the land and making sure that when an unsuspecting buyer buys it. They're not buying a piece of land that doesn't have access, or doesn't have the ability to or doesn't have legal description. That's how you can buy it. What can I do once I buy it? That's the zone. So, here's how your regs are now organized. Uh, it's an old, old set of regulations. I, I can, I, I've seen a lot of them. It's unusual, but I can kind of figure out why, why it was done this way. This is your chapters. You have eight chapters general applicability, submittals. Definitions of what, and then you have you have specific development standards and you have three appendices, oil and gas standards, corridor standards, and local home park standards. I <coughs> want to point out that the red font is where you control quality and what can be done. The rest of it's more or less procedural. How do I go through the process? What's a minor development? Who has to get notice? Who decides? What about other major development? Definitions, random provisions, applicability. Right now, one of the things that's striking about this to me is it's, it's very old structure and, and not a lot, half of the pages, but not a lot of the structure is devoted to what we want to happen. Most of it's devoted to how you get through our ER process. But it's not very clear about what you want to have, except in these three areas. So, here's a more typical zoning structure. Nobody has to do it this way. Uh, I know I'm successful when the community but, that's but this is a typical schedule. What general provisions at the top, this is our legal authority to do it. What are the zoning districts? And well, I'll talk later about what a base zoning district is and what an owner is. Use regulations are the meat of much zoning, which is what can I do with any zone district. i will talk more in detail about that in a minute. And then development standards, if you have parking, if you have environmental, if you have <coughs> Development standards are kind of how I out? Access, do I need two points of access? Do I need that? What about drainage facilities? That, that, uh, how, do I, how do I drain the site adequately so it doesn't uh, affect my neighbor? And then five is how do I get through the process? Six is definitions. The red font, again, reflects in many zoning ordinances the, the substance. Is this is the connection between your plans to which you want to come and the rules that's behind there's more in the structure, in the outline of most zoning ordinances. that says these are the tools we're going to use to make the plan happen. And there's a general at the top, and there's a chapter at the bottom saying just type you get through the process. And usually there's simple things that staff decides, and more complex things that planning commission advises on, it, and big things that the county decides. But it's not about the process. The structure kind of says we're really about the rules and the incentives. And I, I want you to. Emphasize it. Sometimes the rule is, we're not going to regulate that. We decided not to regulate that. That's it. That's also a rule that you can put itself So, the reason this structure is used in the left-hand side of this slide, I am showing you, again what I showed you on the right-hand slide, the last time without the red highlighting. When you have this kind of a structure, the reason a lot of places use this is that it tries to get at, it tries to be user-friendly by answering the three questions Most property owners would have about their property, about their neighbor's property, about the vacant lot on the corner, that an investor might have if they come in and they want to make an investment in an innovative industry in your community. And that is, what can I do on this property? That's question number one. That's what zoning, you can have, there are a lot of, there are kind of emerging forms of zoning that don't ask that question, but 90% of the codes in America start by saying, we have districts. In every district, there's a set of rules on what you can do, what you can do with permission, and what you can't do. So, first question, what, what can we do on this property? Secondly, how do I have to lay out? <coughs> Access, drainage, division, sometimes usually setbacks. How close can it be to the street or how far does it have to be from the street? How close can I put it to my neighbors? Or do I have to have a buffer because this to create any issues on it? It's not, can I do it? It's how I lay it out. I already learned. I'm in this district and it says I can do this. That question's already been answered. Now the question is, how? Ah, well, well, how do I lay it out? How do I manage it? I'm just giving you random examples. Do I have close to close the business at 10? Because in fact it's the next to residential area. There are operating standards that minimize its impact. Now, there there's so many houses I'm going to have to have two access points. Those are development standards. They're not, can I do it? It's how. What are the rules about this? And finally, do I need approval? And if so, who makes that decision? One of the things that happens with older ordinances, older regs, and, and yours are old, is that they tend to have very vague criteria down here. It's pretty clear who decides. But the words used to describe how they make those decisions are really vague. So I'm going to take a pause here. Say, we need these to be user friendly. We need them to implement our plan, and we need them to be predictable. We need them to be so that whether I'm the applicant or the neighbor or the property owner, I can pretty well guess whether I'll be allowed to do this or she'll be allowed to do it or that guy who's bought me the lot down there. I it may be a decision up to the planning commission or the county commission, but it's not a crapshoot. And the way you get that predictability in is to use much firmer words, clearer phrases, <laughs> but also more objective criteria down there. Uh, I noticed some discussion in some of your background documents and in your red. My least favorite word in my professional career is
0: compatibility. I hate it. compatibility means we are guaranteed to
1: argue about this <laughs> because nobody knows what it means. It's a license. Harmonious is right up there with it. Harmonious, got to be harmonious. I say it's harmonious, but I say it's not. So at a minimum, comes, if you can't avoid that word, newer ordinances often have a definition. When we say compatible, we need similar in scale, height, lot coverage, and articulation degree next to the screen, and hours of operation. They, what shoots it. You can just pick up, but tell them what it means. Tell them what it means. One of the principles of law, I'm a lawyer and a planner, but I'm not practicing law. I write law and I get it adopted most of the time. One of the principles of law is if it's so vague, the property owner can't tell whether they're likely to be approved or not. Or if you implement it so erratically that this came up and you said, yep, this came up, and looks a lot like it, and you said, nope, and then you said, yep, and then you said, nope, you are likely to be void for vagueness. If somebody bothered to challenge you, they would say, that, and this happened in yeah. Colorado. No property owner could know whether they even had a chance of getting that adopted. Or they thought they had a chance, and you pulled something out of your back pocket and said, Well, I think your daughter had racks. So that's not that's not predictable. So this is a key area. That most people like to talk about, Well, could you do agriculture? Could you do business? Can you do an RV park? What can we do here? That's sexy. How do we lay it out? If you're, you know, I like landscaping. I like environmental protection, I like storm range, I like I like agriculture, whatever it is. These are fun to talk about. This, people get kind of bored. A lot of the magic in local government work is right here. When you look at the words that the county commissioners are going to use, or the planning commissioners are going to use, do you have the same idea about what they need? Have they been defined well enough? And a lot of the words you're going to go through in your land, land is seeing how close you can come to a common definition. What, that, what does it mean? If you can't avoid the word harmonious, then can you at least define the elements that you look for? In there? I hope you can avoid the words. But this is the least visible part, the process. Is it objective and predictable? Are you giving enough guidance to the private sector that they know when they buy this piece of property that it's likely or unlikely that they can do it? And are you giving good guidance to the Planning Commission so that they are likely to make similar decisions a predictable way of implementing your rags over time, and are you giving enough guidance to the health it? It has been. I've never met a client that said, please make my rags rank rank less predictable. I have never had one. Please try to make them longer and more expensive and less predictable than they have. Every single time, they want them more efficient, and they want them to result in more predictable decisions. That means sometimes you're not going to get your rags. Because you really hope that wouldn't happen on the neighboring property. But your code is written so that you should know because it says that can happen on the neighboring property. And the planning commission is not going to recommend no question on that. But that, you couldn't do that. So predictability, I'm all in favor of predictability until I want to kill something. But I wish I had flexibility. That is actually not how you need to do maintenance. I mean, that's, that's why I make a living. I've done it for 45 years. If I could bother how to balance predictability and flexibility Sell it, I'd be out of business that, that's what this is all about. But I have yet most regs wind up being too flexible to result in predictability. And most of the time, consultants like me are asked to figure out a public process to get to more predictability, and this is part of it right here. This is a big part, of the criteria by which they will make the decisions. I want to be clear, the structure is not magic, that's a helpful structure because it answers Whatever structure you come up with, I hope you keep in mind, is an answer to the following questions. What can I do with the property? How do I have to lay it out if I'm doing that? And if I need permission, what criteria are they going to use to make that decision? So I can plan for it and not buy property where I am not going to be able to get the approval that I want. Regardless of how you do it, Colorado law you enormous flexibility. in how many zoning districts? You can have a few, you can have a few. Land uses, you can define them broadly, you can define them narrowly. Development standards. Can be strict or flexible, or just exempt. We don't want to do that. We don't want to regulate that. A lot of, you know, believe it or not, uh, there are counties out there that regulate the color buildings. And others that say, you know, you can say we're well, yeah, we, not We are so we would never right regulate color, and there are counties in color that do right regulate color. Um, doesn't matter. You can do it either way under Colorado law, and that can differ by which zone district, how much of the lot you can cover, how you lay it out, or by sub areas of the county that align with your comp plan, or not you can do this, but it has to be near the highway. Can't do it if you're further away from the highway, or can't do it close to the river. Can do it if you're further from the river. You can define development standards can be varied in a variety of ways, as long as it's predictable. As long as you, can. you all look at it and you know what it means, you get the same. Answer.
0: Review and approval
1: procedures: a strict, or flexible, or exempt. You have to provide in the process. I'll come back there again, but I, I, I want to be clear. I have been in counties in Colorado and throughout the West. The Z word never gets said. we don't say the word "zoning" so, because that gets you front of me tell you, you know, that, that in Colorado, you can have as much or as little, in these cases, with very few exceptions. We'll talk about the exceptions later. <coughs> I don't like zoning, it's too strict. No, you didn't win the argument about how strict it was going to be. How the had the ability to make it as flexible as they wanted to, it's great. The more flexible it gets, the more unpredictable it gets, but everybody finds Solution somewhere on that spectrum. So, zoning is not one thing, it's what you're going to decide at the end of this process that you want or don't want it to be. So, I want to answer some questions because just this is the vocabulary part. Just so when people say words, hopefully we have a common understanding about what they mean. By right development. By right development is a very, you know, I want I, I by right development. That means you've got a land use, the zoning defines a land use and a size of building that's allowed without any public hearing. That's what it means. No public hearing. But you're still going to meet the criteria. If it says two stories and you go three stories, now the zoning is going to turn it down as inconsistent with the zoning. The staff is going to say, no, you said two stories. Now. You asked for three stories. It's by by right development. No, you have the right to knock down a hearing and ask for permission. You still got to meet the two stories. Uh, I prefer not to provide the parking for along the way you have by-right development if you provide the parking. So buy right development just means if you bring it in under the regs, you will not need to have a hearing. That's good and bad. As I said earlier, if you wanted to kill this thing, the guy's going to say, hey, it's got a layout, it's got access, it's got parking, it's got height, it's got setbacks, you need them all. Sorry you hate my development because I have a right to do it. That's it. actually how most codes are written. The clearer you can be about what doesn't require a hearing. You argue about the standards. You argue about your debate. I should say argue. You debate what you want in your zoning. The day you about it, it sends messages to the private market. If you buy here and you want to do X, you will not have to go to, yellow to the yellow. That's really powerful. That's exactly what zoning is designed to do. Tell the market where you want them to do things to align with your plan. And if they do that, then they get, to go, they get to go ahead without having to debate about it. You have the debate when you adopted the plan, and then you have the debate when you adopted the rules and intended with the procedures. You're done debating. You told them X is acceptable to us, and they're doing X. So there's nothing to debate. There's nothing, there's, it's not a popularity contest. And so that is a big issue. Conditional use means it may have impact on your neighbors, and and for you. so you need to go through a hearing. Often, in a county like this, it's the county commissioner hearing. county commissioner advises the county commissioner to commission decide. It's that middle class. By right, developing means yes.
0: Condition use means
1: you may. Go and make your pitch because when they wrote the code, they weren't sure whether this would fit or not fit in this area. Depends on how big it is. Depends on what's next. Depends on the traffic council the it. But spell out what you're going to look at. Go to a hearing, and your elected officials make a decision. Yep, it looks like nobody showed up in opposition to it. It looks like it's fine. The answer is yes or no, and it's not just popularity. But neighbors complain about traffic and safety, and you know what? They have a point. We are allowed to consider access and traffic and safety at a blind corner. We are saying no. This is not there. It's too proud, There's too much of this. And if I tell the neighbors, we told you the answer was maybe, and this time maybe turns into. So conditional use is when you need a hearing to get. And accessory use is one that's incidental and subordinate. I have a feeling we'll talk about it later, but home occupations are an example of something like this. And the example is, you know the <coughs> most people have home offices and nobody even knows they have. But if you walk in and said, you know, I've been running a home office been very successful. I'm an accountant. I'd like to buy a bigger house and just turn that house into an accountant's office. The accountant would say, no, that is not true. Uh, it is a residential zone. It's a housing zone where people raise their families. You can do a business in there, provided you're living there. Home occupations and conditions of access for uses tend to rely on the fact that if this gets out of hand, it has some impact on the neighbors. They know what to do. Go ring the doorbell. The guy lives there. That's a little bit of a governing on good behavior. The guy. It's not something that they live somewhere else and run their accounting office out here. If you want to zone it for the accounting office, do. But in general, uh, accessory uses are things you can do as a sideline, as something extra, because you're living there or using it in some way that is allowed by down. So um, this is a use table. I bet some of you have seen things like this. This is not yours. I, I made this up. Okay. I took from one that we've written and I played with it. Okay. So basically, use tables, most places, govern uses through a use table. And it's it's a table like this. It says P means permitted, C means conditional. I mean, that's a maybe. Go to a hearing. P means yes, you can do it. We're not going to have it. A means accessory. You can do it if you're doing something else. Legal on the property. Blank means it's not allowed. And I use placeholders here. Usually, you organize on residential and public institutional churches, schools, sometimes daycare things like that that are not their businesses, but they're kind of they provide a service to the community. Then there are commercial uses, and I've just made these up. They're usually subcategories, agricultural, food and beverage, lodging offices. But those can be as long or as short as you want. Um, and then industrial down here. That, so, and, and again, I could have tailored this to have a whole category, so that instead of commercial, uh, agriculture is there. When I do that, I often have agricultural folks say, hey, don't forget, agriculture is not a hobby, it's a business. And so uh, half of our clients to say, Line, the, the other half say no. You put it right here. Cause I'm in business, and agriculture they form business, so I need to need to be moved here. But the point is, then in every zone district, I'm sorry, some of the lines fell off here. But in every zone district, it's either permitted or conditional. And again, you this you you make this up in the course of inventing your zone. It'll be as long or short, and in whatever categories you want. Colorado. They they say when you agree. There's a lot of areas of Colorado. Or the state says, we will not make you agree. But if you do agree, you can make an it. So when well, that happens. Across the top are the zone districts. In, in this place, I think most of yours will be ag or ag residential Look do your plan. But in this community, there are often places that are primarily places you live or have agriculture uses. There's things you do business or can live. These days, it's often you can live here or do business. And then other is often industrial. And in this right-hand column is extra standards. So, for example, in agriculture, we choose this one. Lodging, bed, and breakfast. Okay, I can, I can do it if I'm living there. That's an accessory. I can take in lodgers because I'm living there. Here I can do it uh, permitted. Eh, I think maybe I need permission here. But I need to go read section 522 because it says things like, you can't have weddings after 10 o'clock. You can't cater for more than 100 people. Whatever it is in the community side was, you know, bed and breakfast, fine, let's What if they go for What if they have big legs? What if they have a lot of traffic coming in and out? Can you limit it? Answer, you no, don't have to. But if you do, you come up, you don't have to have any standards, but you can have standards. And this is just one example of how many uh, land use regs get it. This is only part of the table, but it's just here are the uses, here are the districts, here's the little key, and here are extra standards. And so in the future, You had problems. Let's just take this. Hotel has a problem. You had a hotel that turned into big impacts that you didn't like for some reason, And you wanted to amend it. You don't have to add a new line. You just come over and amend this. Or let's say this. Medical and dental offices. For some reason, they're creating a problem. You can still use this table, but you go over and add in here. Okay. We're now limiting. We're putting a restriction on them because they're creating problems in the community. So this is just a structure. But but when you see this, I think all but two, three codes that I've written in my career use something like this. So it's not imported from Denver. It's not imported from somebody who's saying it is the most. I, wrote, uh, I helped write the Mason County Reds, uh, and you heard talk a couple times ago. Years ago, they've been using this for 25 years. So, that's, okay, more terms. The variance. Uh, approval for a building that does not meet the zoning standards due to undue hardship that you, or site conditions that you did not call. You can't sell off your land piece by piece and then wind up with a piece that's too small. It's like, ah, it's too small. I need a variance to put a house on a lot that's too small. The court says, or no, the county says, the law says, you created that problem. You didn't have to sell that last lot. You did. You decided to. And you created this problem. You don't have to ask the county to bend the rules to solve the problem you created. It. A base zone district, I just talked to, showed you the table. Mapped area, no bigger, in which building's are no bigger than X, and containing one of those allowed uses, and it's allowed by right. Or with condition sub-base needs, this is the little colors you see on the zoning map. I'll only do this briefly, because I don't think you're really, you may not need it. But an overlay is a second layer of zoning. <sighs> I didn't even like the Z word, and now he's talking about a second layer of zonite. And the answer is, it's a layer that doesn't coincide with the colors on the map, because it's targeted at a particular issue. The classic is a flood. We have zone districts in this county, and these are ag or residential or business, but if you're near the river where FEMA says it's likely to flood, you have experience. And that's what the second layer says. If you're inside this line, well, wait, that line doesn't coincide with any of the colors. That's right, it doesn't. Or if you are in near an airport and you're in a noise overlay where the FAA says you can't have anything taller than X because of airplane safety. Gee, that's weird because it doesn't align with any of the colors on the map. It is aimed at one thing. You get all the colors, all the things you could do are the base colors, but you can't be taller than X. Or you've got to have triple glazed windows if you're around DIA. Or you have to raise your building value. The point is, that's what an overlay is. What's a development agreement? You use them already, so i probably will to apologize. Development agreement, land use regs, are not a contract. They are your county commissioner's judgment about what should happen by right, what needs a hearing to get approved, or what shouldn't happen at all. That's a It's not a contract. If you get in trouble, the county finds you or cites you. A contract is your agreement to manage the property or to build something. Look, if you'll approve this, I will manage it like this. Or I will shut off a ten, Or I will build a third axis. Or I will solve one of your drainage problems by building something. So it's just a side contract. I do want to talk about planned unit development, but I'm not going to do much. Um, planned unit development is a negotiated bill. PDs. It's a form of negotiated zoning in which the property owner in the county agree on land uses, building size. You go into the county and you say, I got a deal. What do you like? I, 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 this is going to be wonderful, but it doesn't match any of your zoning. Colorado allows counties to do it. It allows Colorado almost infinite flexibility to design it to make it work any way you want. This is, let's make a deal. Legalized, let's make a deal. And if the only guarantee is that the county officials don't like it, they're not going to make it. Oh, the they don't have to make the There is no buy right. The rest of the zoning is predictable. You can do this, you can do this with permission, you can't do this. I have a separate idea, okay? You can bring it to the county, spell it out, and you it can be strict or flexible. But you don't persuade them. You got no right to this. You decide to go to negotiate. Sometimes negotiations don't mean. Sometimes you don't get to guess. Uh, you told them it was the best place of sliced bread, they didn't buy it. They told you, build half as many houses and will approve it. You couldn't do that. You walked away You spent time on it, but it didn't happen. Uh, these are, are very popular sometimes because you get to negotiate them forever. I will tell you, uh, I have no clients that want me to do more than that. All of my clients would say, they're killers. Because each one is a one-off. They're unpredictable. And if you walk into the staff and say, what can I do in the ag zone? They can tell. You. They can tell. What can I do in the business zone? They can tell. You. What can I do in this go, you know, I don't know. I'm going to go have to read the file, to figure it out. Because that's issue. It takes a lot of time, complication, and to get out of paper. very so I just—I give you a caveat. I, I teach a graduate school class at the University of Colorado Denver. All my students come out and understand. If you're going to do PUDs, don't know what you're getting into because in general they're sexy, they're cool, and I don't have one client who wishes they be more. Of them. They all wish it's like get this monkey off. Figure out how to get me out of negotiating. Because once you start negotiating, everything looks like a negotiation. But that's the problem. So, nonconformity is a building or land use that was legal when it was established, no longer meets the zoning standards because the county changed the standards. So, there are two important factors here. If I am legal, first of all, if I built it illegally, I just ignored the law. And they like, say, that's not a, law. a like if You broke the law. It's like speeding. To get a ticket, you shouldn't be surprised. That if you knew the law. Got a ticket. That's the way it goes. But if you were legal and the county changed it, for example, the county said you only need two parking spaces for this use. Then they changed the rule ten years later because there was a lot of traffic, and they said four parking spaces. And you said I only got three. You were a conformer. You were legal. You no longer meet the code because of something they did, not something you did. And I want to be clear because this comes up all the time. What? What? And this will come up. What if the county? What if the end of this problem? Decides on a rule. And somebody stands up and says, But I have that kind of business, and I don't have any office space. I have that kind of building, and I'm not that far from my neighbor's property. That's not informal. What does that mean? It means, well, first of all, anybody who is put in that situation by local government can continue to operate in depth. You don't get shut down. You are allowed to keep going forever. Can't you shut down that bar? I hate, by just writing it illegal? No. As you buy it. You're going to, have to, you're going to have to keep living it. But you usually cannot, if it's destroyed by a fire or a flood, you don't get to build something back it, illegally. You're going to have to follow the new rules because your building is gone. It can't be expanded to make it, you're already too tall, you're going to not be able to make it tall.
0: You're
1: already too close to your neighbor, you're not going to be able to make it any close to your neighbor. And if you abandon a use that's not allowed for more than a year, then usually you're not allowed to start with. So this is a common. What happens when the county changes the rules? A, you can continue forever. You can sell it. You can lease it. You can will it. And hundred years from now, if they're doing the same thing, they can continue doing it. But if it's burned or you abandon it, then you're not going to be able to do it. Now you've agreed. Now you're under the new rules for that district. Colorado allows well, a lot of flexibility in this area. Vested right is a term that comes up all the time. I'm going to speed up, so we can have more time. It's the right to complete and approve development per the rules and standards in place at the time it was approved. Statutory counties, there is a magic word in Colorado, a site-specific development plan. Counties can decide what is a site-specific development plan, and it's their judgment as when it's specific enough that you feel like, okay, we've approved it and we knew it's going to happen, we have agreed not to change our minds about the standards for at least three days. How county's going to give five or seven, whatever you'd like to do. They have to give at least three years. But, well, then what triggers it? What triggers it is what you define as a site specific standard. Years ago, Pitkin County didn't want to write writing their code. They didn't want to sign because they didn't want to have their hands tied. Colorado legislature passed a law saying Pitkin County must design what a site specific development plans because there has to be some level of approval that gets you to the point where the county can't change their mind for three years. Uh, Zoning is not a vested right. This is the second
0: thing I want you to say when you go to bed at night, okay?
1: Zoning is not a vested right. I'm sorry. It It's not anywhere in the country. A vested right is what you define it to be, but Colorado law says, zoning is too vague to be a vested right. You don't know what they're going to do. It's just a list of uses that they might do, things that they might do here. That's not a plan. You don't know what they're going to build. You actually don't know which of those things they're going to do. That's not vestable. But there's a common law. So you are in control of this. You can define what you consider the right for. Common law, even if you, you define something, a site plan or a circulation plan, whatever it is, as a vested right. If the county had some rules and somebody came in and looked at those rules and then proceeded to build, and that usually means not just buying the property, pouring a foundation spending real money. You didn't just buy the property, you didn't just hire an architect or a surveyor, you spent money. Hard money to build something. You are in the process of parting a foundation. You've gone and spent your money in reliance on what the county told you. And the county changes clients minds to stop you. You go to court, the courts will say that's a common law invested right. You have invested based on what they told you. You spent your money. And now they're trying to get you to waste your money by changing this rule. really you cannot do that. So, oh, and so, and then this happens. It happened up in uh, Adams County a few years ago uh, where uh, they, um, they, gave, they had a vested right, they defined it, they gave it, and the citizens didn't like it. The citizens went to the ballot box and got the decision reversed. After the, at the election, the court said, the guy said, you can't do it, I have a vested right. And uh, the court said, no, you have a vested right, Tommy has to pay you. you they, they did, voters voted it, made it illegal. That's the voters' speaking. It is illegal. But by making it illegal, you now want a guy's money Because he had a common law of vested Three types. Of, I'm almost done. Three types of decisions: legislative decisions are those that affect many people, large areas. that reflect the commission's judgment what's best. It's like what you'll do when you adopt a new regulation, a zoning regulation, or a map. Quasi-judicial, applying a rule that you adopted earlier to a single property or a few properties in cases that involve some level of judgment. So, if you want to get your property zoned from this district into that, you're done farming. You need to. Get your Need to do that, and you you are going to you're saying you already have a residential district. I'm asking for it to be rezoned. The zoning ordinance has criteria that the commissioners will use to make that decision. That is quasi-judicial. They're not, it's not about what's best for Delta County, it's whether you meet the criteria for moving through this category, to that category That's quasi-judicial, and administrative is staff can do it. And most people. In counties, a lot of things become all the way up to the county commissioners. Often, county all county commissioners are the only ones that can do this. Sometimes they do this, but in every county, there are administrative decisions the staff does. And this is by right development. I need your height. I need your setback. I need your lot right coverage. i got use. I'm walking in. There's a lawyer. The staff says, "Okay, yep, you're on. Get your permit. Go." Property rights. Last two uh, last two slides. Three slides. Okay. Uh, this is right in trouble. I start seeing that. But this is worth having a good discussion on. Property rights has never meant, has never met, I can do what I want with my property. It has never meant that since 18th century. It's always been a nuisance. There's always been a protection that your neighbors are protected against certain things you do on your property. Almost all of them have been subject to some level of a even if it's just nuisance. What is unacceptable, guys? This is the important thing for Delta County. What is unacceptable is defined by local elected officials within the Democracy works. You have a constitution that sets limits. Within those limits, the state of Colorado the legislature, the General Assembly, makes rules. They give you a lot of flexibility by high. So, what are your property rights? Your property rights are what your elected officials define as acceptable within those boundaries. And the reason is people at Delta have the same decisions as Mason County or Douglas County. I call this the law of elbows. If you're in rural Wyoming, they're going to be very few rules because you can do a lot of things and not affect anybody. Nobody even knows you doing. If you're in downtown Denver and you do something, there are a lot of people going to be affected by what you do. So, the Denver is going to decide that a lot of things are unacceptable because they bother your neighbors or influence your neighbors, that the commissioners in rural Wyoming are going to decide, what you're doing. nobody even knows you do. That's why. So, what is acceptable if That's how our democracy is set up. The local elected officials get to decide within the limits of the Constitution what is a right that you have to use the property. I I know people hate that when I say it, but it is true. That is what the Supreme Court has said for 100 years. The magic is you can't violate the Constitution, so let's talk about it. So right, the property rights are the rights to use your property with the limits established by the commissioners, provided they don't violate Colorado federal law or the Constitution. There are limits on how strict they can be, but there are very few limits on how flexible they can be. If you want to exempt things from regulation, you are almost always free to do it, with a few exceptions. Um, uh, but if you go too far, there are a number of limits on going too far. Um, again, there are I, I, I edit the book on Colorado land use law uh, every three years. I get a bunch of people, Todd Messenger, whatever is helping me on it. He helps me every three years. There are not that many land use cases in Colorado. Why? Because actually, (coughs) local governments agree on what's acceptable. People live by those rules most of the time. I gotta tell you, last time I did the book, I talked to the publisher, and they have not big lawsuits in in Colorado over land use. Uh, But because people kind of don't violate these limits very often. Okay, last two slides due process. The two major things, what Don says within the limits of the law and the Constitution. There are two principles that we can go further than that you'd like. Due process, almost always, when you're doing a legislative action, notice at a public hearing, like adopting a news ordinance, and any quasi judicial action. You're going to have a hearing. If it's not what's best for Delta County, but it is, should we rezone Don's land? It's going to be more than that. You not only have to have a notice at a hearing, you have the ability to question those who testify before or before. again. When people say, The traffic on that road is unbelievable. You should turn this down. The advocate is gonna be able to say, wait a minute, why do you say it's unbelievable? I have a traffic study that says it's no worse than any other county road. There is a factual back and forth. When you're giving opinion to the county commission about I like X, I don't like X. That's what they're like to do, listen to people and decide what you wanna do. But when it is factual, I say they meet the criteria. I say they don't. Then you have to have the ability to question usually have a transcript or a record. So when the county commissioners signed no, but it turned out the law was clearly that they had a right to do that, you can go to court and the judge reads the transcript and says, wait a minute. They, they know that the, uh, the yes prevailed. They said, There's a record. There was no evidence for them to turn it This does happen. <laughs> it's clearly legal. The room's full of angry people. The elected officials say no. Guy sues. So court says they were no evidence. Angry people are not evidence about meeting the criteria. And by the way, I will say this: you can't write a civil that says this will be acceptable as long as none of the neighbors complain. I can have a long discussion with that if you That's it, and you cannot do that. Uh, you also can't do it to say 95 percent of the neighbors happy. You can't. That is letting them depend determine your property rights, and that's it. So due process. Um, and again, this is that you can't think it up as you go along. call here, They're in Colorado, and in Colorado, since nineteen ninety eight. If you want to apply a standard to a new business or a subdivision, you have to have it on the books before you apply it. You can't just look at it and say, well, "I think they're going to need a bigger road." I think they ought to provide some emergency medical services because there are a lot of people out there in the middle LA. nowhere. Larimer County tried uh, twenty years ago, and the court said. No. You have the right to require that, but you don't have the right to make it up as you go along. Because this property owner had no idea you were going to do that to them. How could they ever predict you were going to do this? If you're going to evaluate it on those criteria, you adopt it ahead of time as a policy or a rule, and then you apply and decide whether it applies in a particular case. But you can't make it up as you go along. Last thing, takings, regulatory takings. You took my property rights. Um, a Regulatory taking A taking is a zoning regulation that restricts the user development property so much that it is, quote, as if the local government took the property for its own use and that's unconstitutional. Uh, I do a lot of public speaking on this, and, uh, uh, but the law doesn't change very much and it hasn't changed very much in 100 years. I'm ducking, okay? I'm behind the podium now. Yeah. This is the third thing you should say when you go home. Regulatory takings are measured by what uses and development of property remain available to the property owner, not by what was restricted. All right. People don't like to hear that, but that is the law. That is the Supreme Court. If you say,
0: this is a taking, they made me set
1: back my building 15 feet from the street, that 15 feet is gone. It's as if they took the 15 feet from me. The court is going to say, no. The math is what's left. Can you build a house? Yeah. Could you build a house more? Oh, yeah. Okay. You have not had your property. To that is a to it's requiring two accesses, requiring requiring a setback, putting a maximum height, it, not letting you cover your a whole lot with asphalt. All of those things are restrictions on your property. And the question no matter how much you jump up and down, and yeah, the courts are going to say, so what can you do with your property? Because that's the measure of whether they, remember, If you can still build a house, then the government did not take your property as if they took it for their own use. Property must be left with a reasonable economic use of the property, but not any reasonable economic use of the property, and not a use that you want because you think it's economically reasonable. This happens all the time. This is the Supreme Court language. You need to be left with a reasonable economic use of the property. But what I'm proposing a hotel is is reasonable and it's economic, no. It is not you, the property, who decides what's reasonable or not. Right, it is the court that decides whether you're left with a reasonable economic use of the property. And it's not, so these are important, this happens all the time. I'm going to sue, you turn me down, and what I'm proposing is reasonable, and it's economic. Right, no, that's not the question. The question is, of the things that are left to you after they turned you down for what you wanted to do, is that a reasonable economic use of the property? They presume that what you're doing now is a reasonable economic use of you want to do something else for you, to make more money, but you last year you had an appliance, you must have been reasonably economic last year. You were, you were, you were doing it. Uh, so, why is it not reasonably economic this year? Because zoning regulations almost leave the owner with no economically reasonable use. Taking the policy zoning we have had one in Colorado for a long time. Okay.
0: Real question is not what the law will allow,
1: and this is the two red things. This is the good news, this is my last slide. Because, I mean, this is usually really infuriates people, right? You mean my county commissioners are in almost complete control about what I do with my property as long as they lead me with a reasonable economic use? Short answer, according to the Colorado Supreme Court, and according to the US Supreme Court, yes, that's the answer. As long as they lead you with a reasonable economic and then follow through the process to get to those decisions. It's been heard and it reflects the values. The real question is not, so It almost never, you almost never want to take these lawsuits, but we don't have them. Why? Because the real question is not what the law will allow, what level of regulation do your elected officials believe are the right fit for this county? Nobody, no county commissioner or city councilman I've ever met wanted to deny their voters reasonable acknowledgments of the property. It, they don't do that. They get unelected when they do that. They don't want to do that. So, the, so, when you say, okay, this is the bad news, is there a wide latitude for you to decide what property rights are? And to define them in a way that lets you regulate without being sued for a thing, yes, you have know, very your elected officials, a very wide latitude, but they almost never get to that line. Because long before you get to that line, most can be said, we that sounds unfair to us. If they adopted that rule and they got sued, the county kind of would win. But we don't want to do that. It seems unfair. We don't want to regulate that. That's not the culture of this county. That's not how we grow up, especially in smaller culture, of rural county. We don't believe in regulating people that much. We're gonna stop way over here, rather than the court would have put the regulation here. We don't want to have that conversation. That we, um, Elliot came out and said that, and we were angry. We want to stop the here, because that's what the community feels is the right level of restriction or regulation that in the same And that is it. so far. From taking in most communities, I will say. I, I, I don't want to anybody. but when somebody stands up obedience of that taking of my property rights, I almost immediately say, I bet you not. I bet you not. Because it, it's easy to say, very hard to prove. And by the way, it's up to the property to prove they have no reason to want to use the property. So, Courts are going to ask. I sued because they left me no reason why I can't use of in the property. Well, how much income did you make off the property? Last year? What were your taxes? Have you tried to sell it? Have you tried to lease it? Have you tried to divide it? Have you tried to get a condition use property? They're going to. You, you can't just say this is unfair. It's a like property court saying I have no reason why I can't use of I don't believe what anymore, but I, I. do want to be clear, and I, I'm not trying to be a jerk. That's probably why. <laughs> is that when somebody says it's a taking of private property rights, first of all, property rights are what we find to be very broad and, and almost never have a taking of private property. It's not a helpful conversation to dwell on in this case because the conversation will not take place over here when the Supreme Court. The conversation of everything, Denver included, Fort Collins included, Boulder included, is what the community feels is a fair way to Nobody gets very close. Okay. Very, very, very rarely. Oh, no, enough okay. <laughs> said that. OK. Now, I can I wait to water on a Yes, sir? Well, oil and mineral right. huh i Sanibel one mm-hmm. Have you looked at that? I have looked at it, but most of it. I have not uh, crafted new regulations over it. Are you asking about how it would change what you've done? No, I'm asking as a mineral right owner yeah. what infected had that had uh, I can't answer uh, that. Property rights. I'm sorry, I, I don't mean to be difficult. I, I really, I've read the law and I do not know the answer it. The property rights of a neighboring property mm-hmm. to a development under consideration often has a neighbor saying, my value is going to be diminished by that development. Mm-hmm. Is there a property right linked to devaluation Oh, or de- devaluation of, of that property, is there any? No. Thing? It works itself out through the political process. That's the short answer. There is no, there is no right to not have your local government make a decision that makes your property less valuable. You could make that a criteria. That court, the, the, the state law is not a requirement. That's not your court saying you devalue my property. The court will like, say, did they follow due the process? Are uh, within the bounds of the Constitution? Then governments <coughs> do go right the things all the time. They, you know, they, they if they decide to plant trees and, and some and therefore fewer cars can get through or you have fewer sales of paint because fewer cars get your property. Everything the does can do that. So the answer is no, you don't have a right. But in your land regulation, you could say that that's a factor to be taken into account, or that's a decision point to be taken into account. So a neighboring property in yeah. terms of property rights. Mm-hmm. What I'm hearing, I think, from you is that they are very limited, but if they have any rights, it would be under a nuisance setting for determination by the governing body. Well, or they, well, nuisance, or, I, I, again, I've never written one like this, I, I've never been asked to write one. I think it would probably be legal in Colorado. If you said, when the Planning Commission considers a reasonable or conditional use permit, they have to recommend no. If it devalues a neighbor, if the neighbor puts in evidence that it would devalue the property. That's up to you as to whether you, the county, want to make that criteria or not. But it's not a state of Colorado. And frankly, I don't know any county that does that because you're opening yourself up to lawsuits all the time. So the bottom line is lots of things governments do affect your property. Actually, we pay government to try to increase our property. I mean, that's originally zoning, was trying to protect property rights. But as you make these decisions, there's almost always going to be something who can say, I think I'm going to than I was before. And that's not a problem. You're right, yeah. it's an like the who, who did so uh, yeah. A couple yeah. questions. When you went back to the categories, yeah. is it your experience that more categories yield better planning? You're talking about the uses that are we to new. We're, we're, we're just starting to begin to craft categories. Yeah. And there are those who are saying that's too many, and there are those are saying it's not enough. What's your experience? Well, around the, let's go back to it and <coughs> for a second. I can, not that many There we go. Um, over time, well, the short answer is um, you need to come up with your own answer. I wrote I think one of the common practices is let's try to list all the things that might be a, that might happen whether or not they should be exempt for regular. So you start with a long list. But over time people try to shrink that list to fewer broader categories because it makes, to be honest, lots of times you could list four or five different things that are technically different businesses or different agriculture or different energy activities that you do. But the truth is, when you try to say what is, how does this one affect the neighbors differently than that one? How does this will affect traffic differently than that one? You wind up saying there is no difference. It's a, it's a different name your business but it doesn't differ in traffic. It doesn't differ in noise. It doesn't differ in access. So over time, it's good practice to look at all the things that you may or may not want to cover. But then over time, fewer, broader categories are what people usually strive for. That. And then you carve out, for example, in old code, I might make this. Up